you are listening to Central Church Podcast. To learn more about Central Church, including our gathering time, please visit gocentralchurch.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Ethan Crowder. Well, good morning. It is good uh, to see you today. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me uh, to Luke chapter 19. Uh, Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name's Ethan. Uh, I get the privilege of being the pastor here uh, at Central, and I want you to know how grateful we are uh, that you have gathered here with us today. Uh, I'm excited to see new faces. Uh, if we keep packing the service out, we're going to have to start an 830 service or uh, something like that, uh, which everyone but the band would love, right? Because then they've got to be here at six. Uh, so, um, but uh, hey, we're so glad that you're here, and we would, we'd love to start another service uh, to keep reaching our our, uh, our neighbors and our friends and our loved ones. Um, but uh, if you're new here or if you've been around for uh, years, I want to encourage you to be here tonight uh, for our core rally at six o'clock. Uh, it's going to be a great time of just celebrating what the Lord has done and what he's doing here at Central. Uh, we have, uh, I spoke with some of our mission partners this week. Um, and so I said, hey, we need to capture a three to five minute video uh, where we just find out what's happening in your life. Uh, well, 15 minutes later, we finished the video. And uh, uh, so we, we cut that down, but it's, I, I hope that you'll come uh, and you'll hear from the Mitchums and celebrate baptisms and celebrate all that the Lord is doing. Uh, well, last week I wasn't here. Um, I was uh, coming back from being overseas, uh, uh, but I'm so grateful for Pastor Mike uh, and the way, uh, yeah, um, you know, I, I was talking with friends who I was uh, overseas with and they asked me who was preaching uh, and I said our student pastor and they said you let the student guy preach uh, and um, I'm grateful that we have a student guy that can preach um, and that, uh, that our church loves uh, but last week I was, um, I was on my way back actually at this point I'd spent a week in Tanzania uh, seeing what the Lord was doing uh, is doing there in East Africa um, and I, I learned a few things through, uh, through that trip one Revelation 7 says there's coming a day when every tribe, tongue, and people will be around the throne uh, worshiping uh, the Father. I'm going to sit with the Tanzanians, right? Uh, because they, I don't know what they're saying, but I know they believe in, right? Um, and so uh, I, uh, I learned that. But I was also, I was amazed at um, how often or how many things uh, we were very similar in and, and how many things uh, were very different from what we do. But uh, at one point, we were worshiping with a room full of about 100 Tanzanian church leaders. Um, and one of the pastors that was there with us, uh, he spoke, kind of did a devotional, and uh, he said something that if you spend enough time around Central, uh, you'll hear us do this from uh, time to time. He said, God is good and all the time. And so he's, he's trying to teach um, our Tanzanian brothers and sisters that, hey, this is what, what we do in our church. Uh, well, what we didn't know is that they do the exact same thing, uh, but they add something to it. So they say, God is good all the time. Uh, all the time, God is good. And then they end it with everyone saying together, that is his nature. Uh, th that is God's nature, that God is good and he is good all the time. And I was thinking about that as I was thinking about this message for this morning as we end, as we land the plane on our Who's Your Neighbor series. You know, we say that God is good and that he is good all the time, and, and we know, right, we might not say it the way the Tanzanians say it, but we know that that is his nature. And yet some of us have been praying for 
Maybe you've been praying for weeks. Maybe you've been praying for months. Maybe you've been praying for years. Maybe you've been praying for decades that the Lord would save your neighbor. Maybe you've been praying that the Lord would save your coworker or uh, your brother or your sister or your son or your daughter or your husband or your wife. And maybe you've been praying that prayer and, and you're wrestling, well, why, why, Lord, why have you not answered that prayer yet? Why have you not saved my, my brother or my sister or my son or my daughter or whoever it may be? And we've got to remind ourselves over and over and over again that God is good and he's good all the time because that is his nature. And we see this in the passage that we're going to look at this morning. This is a familiar passage, Luke chapter 19. Uh, we're going to look at uh, the story of a wee little man. We're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus. And as we look here at this story of Zacchaeus that, that many of us are familiar with, but we're going to see uh, this truth, that Jesus' grace is often unexpected, but it's always predictable. Jesus' grace is often unexpected, but it's always predictable. Well, well how does that work? Jesus' grace often hits our lives and hits our neighbor's lives and hits our loved one's lives in a time that we unexpect, but we can be sure of that, that when Jesus' grace hits, we can predict what will happen next. Right, because that's what Jesus does. Jesus saves. So we're going to see how Jesus' grace works here in Luke chapter 19. So look with me here. At Luke chapter 19, we're going to look at the first 10 verses. Let me invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's perfect and precious word here in Luke chapter 19. Starting in verse 1, the Spirit says to us this. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they, they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is God's word. You can be seated. Would you pray with me? Father, we know that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And Father, we're, we're praying, we're begging, we're asking that that you would save lost people today. Father, that you would save maybe those who have yet to believe who are in this room. Father, we pray that you would use our witness today as we leave this place, that we would be serious about being on mission with you. And so, Father, I pray that as we study your word this morning, that you would prepare us, you would equip us to be about our Father's business. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, here in Luke 19, we're going to see a few important truths uh, about Jesus, and we're going to see how his grace is often unexpected but always predictable. First, we see this, that Jesus seeks. 
Jesus seeks. We know that Jesus is God and that our God is a seeking God. We see this throughout the Bible, that our God is a missionary God. In the Old Testament, he's constantly seeking, he's constantly going after, he's constantly pursuing his people, Israel, who have rebelled against him. He's seeking to give them grace. He's, he's seeking to restore them. And here in the New Testament, we see clearly that Jesus has not changed, right? That Jesus is still serious about seeking and saving the lost. That's really what this story of Zacchaeus is all about. It's a microcosm, a small view of Jesus' wider ministry, Jesus' wider mission, that he is about seeking and saving the lost. And so here in Luke 19, we've jumped through, uh, jumped past some key points, but what we need to know is that what's happening in the gospel of Luke is that Jesus, he's said it a couple of times, or Luke has said it as kind of a narrator, that Jesus has set his eyes to Jerusalem. Now, why has Jesus set his eyes to Jerusalem? Jesus has set his eyes to Jerusalem because that's the place where he's going to be betrayed. That's where he's going to be crucified. That's where he's going to be resurrected. That's where he's going to ascend. So Jesus sets his eyes to Jerusalem knowing full well what it means when he gets to Jerusalem. And so he's making his way through towns and villages and cities, and he comes to the last major town uh, on the route to Jerusalem. He comes to Jericho. Now, at this point in Jericho's history, Jericho is an important city. It's an important city for a couple of reasons. One, there had been some battles. There had actually been some deals where one kingdom had bought Jericho from another kingdom, and they had begun to develop it. And they had, at this point, when you walked into Jericho, it was a beautiful city. Uh, but Jericho also was known as a place uh, where you paid your taxes and your tolls. Uh, so Jericho was located in a strategic point uh, on the path from east to west. And so any goods that passed from the east going to the west or passed from the west going to the east, it, you would have to stop and you'd have to pay taxes. You'd have to pay tolls. Today we might think of it as a tariff uh, to get your goods from one place to the next. And so it would make sense that in Jericho... Jesus would meet and Jesus would save a tax collector. It, it makes sense that Jesus would meet and he would uh, come to this man, Zacchaeus. Now, uh, we meet Zacchaeus and uh, Zacchaeus maybe, probably is the most famous tax collector that has ever lived, right? Uh, and unfortunately, the one thing we know about Zacchaeus is that he is short. Right, you could be known for any number of things, and Zacchaeus, he's the wee little man. I, I've got uh, just this guess that whenever we get to heaven, Zacchaeus is angry, right? Uh, right? Not, this isn't, like, I'm Zacchaeus who, who Jesus saved. No, you're the short guy, right? You're the, you're the little guy that, that climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Zacchaeus, he's this this famous tax collector. In fact, what we see here in verse two is that he is the chief tax collector and he was rich. Now, tax collectors, maybe you know this, tax collectors were, were crooked people, right? The tax collectors in this day, the way that it worked is that they would levy the taxes that the empire that Rome told them to levy, right? They would collect those taxes, but then they were free to add as much as they wanted to on top, and that was their paycheck. That was how they were paid, and so they were enriched by preying on other people. Now, what we see here is that Zacchaeus, he's not just a tax collector, he's the chief tax collector. 
Now, you don't get to be the chief tax collector by being really good at your job. You get to be the chief tax collector by being really crooked. See, Zacchaeus, he wouldn't have just been preying on ordinary citizens. He also would have been preying on other tax collectors. The way that Zacchaeus got rich wasn't because he followed all the rules. The way that Zacchaeus got rich is that he stole from citizens and he stole from tax collectors. This was lucrative because there was no one telling you, no, you can't do this or you can't do that. And so everyone, when they see Zacchaeus coming, they don't think, man, there's a good man. No, when they see Zacchaeus coming, they despise him. He was despised by his neighbors. And yet, Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. Look at verse 3. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So Zacchaeus, he wants to see Jesus. Now, we don't know exactly why he wants to see Jesus. It could be that he wants to see Jesus because this crowd has been forming, and he just wants to see what is all the fuss about. It it may be that he wants to see Jesus because Jesus' reputation precedes him, and so maybe Zacchaeus has heard all about this Jesus, and so now he wants to get a look at, he wants to get a glimpse of who this Jesus is, and so Zacchaeus does what he needs to do. Verse 4 He ran on ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree, for he was about to pass that way. Now, sycamore trees, they grow 30 to 40 feet tall, but they have low, sprawling branches, so it would have been easy for Zacchaeus to climb up in this tree. And Zacchaeus, he climbs up in this tree because he thinks that by climbing up in the tree, he's going to get a better view of Jesus. But really, what we find out is that Zacchaeus climbs up in the tree, not so that he can get a better view of Jesus, but so that Jesus can get a better view of him. Right? The, the Zacchaeus climbs up in this tree. He's never met Jesus. He doesn't know Jesus. And then this Jesus, who he's trying to see, what does he say? Zacchaeus, come down. Right? You come down from there. I'm going to your house today. Oh, right? Uh, I'm going to your house today. Jesus, Zacchaeus thinks that he's, he's seeking Jesus, but what we find out all along is that it's that Jesus has been seeking him. Or that Jesus has been preparing him. And so Jesus calls him by name, and then Jesus invites himself into his home. Notice Jesus doesn't say, Zacchaeus, you come down from here. I, I want to go talk to you. He doesn't say, Zacchaeus, you come down from there. I wanna wanna take you to lunch or I wanna take you to dinner. He says, Zacchaeus, you come down from there because I'm going to come to your house. I must stay with you. See, Jesus did the seeking. In this story, we see the heart of Jesus in action. We see Jesus seeking and saving the lost. See, in this story, we learn something important about how Jesus typically works. We learn something important, really, about what it means when we share the gospel. See, people often don't believe the first time we share the gospel. I would love to say that, that every time I share the gospel with someone for the first time, they say, yes, I need Jesus. No, but typically what happens is it, it takes prayer, and it takes time, and it takes building, and it takes loving, and it takes sharing. And, and over time, the Lord works, and people are saved. See, what we need to understand is that Zacchaeus didn't end up in that tree on accident. Zacchaeus didn't end up in that tree by happenstance. No, the Lord had been working in his heart long before this moment to prepare Zacchaeus. 
See, there are no accidents, there are no coincidences in the kingdom of God. No one is accidentally saved. Rather, the Lord works to bring us to salvation. In fact, what the Bible says is that God's kindness leads us to repentance. So see, it was God's kindness that leads Zacchaeus into this tree. See, Jesus seeks the lost. Jesus seeks after us. The reason that, that if you're here this morning, the, the reason that, that you're here is because Jesus has sought you, right? We, we sing this song, he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming love. And that Jesus seeks. Next we see this, that Jesus saves. This is what Jesus does. If you don't know anything else about Jesus, know this. He saves us not because of anything that we've done to deserve it, but because of his great grace. And this grace is often unexpected, but it's always predictable. So in verse 5, Jesus calls Zacchaeus. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And then in verse 6, we see Zacchaeus' response. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Zacchaeus hurries out of the tree to receive Jesus into his home. Now this had to be a sight to see, right? That Zacchaeus, this well-known, this despised tax collector, he's up in the tree, Jesus calls to him, tells him to come down, and so now this short little guy scurries down the tree joyfully because Jesus has called him. A man of Zacchaeus' position probably didn't climb trees regularly, right? A a man of of Zacchaeus' station in life, like this wasn't normal. And so Zacchaeus had climbed up in the tree and now Jesus says, come down. And Zacchaeus hurries down and he goes joyfully. He he goes gladly, he he goes exuberantly. How, How does he receive him? He receives him joyfully. Now for many people, this kind of surprise would have been inconvenient. Right, that Jesus says, hey, I'm coming to your house today. And, and suddenly, just like we saw a few weeks ago with Mary and Martha, right, we start running around getting things ready. But what does Zacchaeus do? Zacchaeus says, he says no, come, Lord Jesus. Right, come into my house. Come in, in here. And so Zacchaeus receives him joyfully. And he brings him into his home. See, there's something important we need to understand here. When we understand our need for Jesus then meeting him gives us joy. And when we understand our need for Jesus daily, then we joyfully come to him daily, right? We we joyfully meet him, that that I want to meet with Jesus. And so Zacchaeus, he gives us a picture of what our, our heart position should be. But look at this contrast between Zacchaeus and then the others. Now, Luke doesn't identify him here, but we know it's the religious leaders, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Zacchaeus hurries and comes down and receives him joyfully. Look at verse 7. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. They grumble because Jesus has gone to the home of a known sinner. They grumble because Jesus has gone to Zacchaeus that no one liked. See, people who see their need for the grace of Jesus, they love Jesus and they get excited about seeing other people meet Jesus. People who forget their need for Jesus are annoyed by Jesus. See, these religious leaders, they they didn't think they needed grace 
because they had it all together. They didn't think they needed what Jesus offered because they were good. And so they're annoyed that Jesus, this man who seemed to be at least, the very least these religious leaders would have said that he, he lives a holy life, he, he seems to at least try. They're annoyed that he would go and that he would spend time with a sinner. I said that I was in Africa last week, and one of the things that I loved about the, the African believers that I would meet is they would, uh, they would start off when they would speak, they would start off by saying a few things. Uh, they would say, Buenas afiwe, uh, which means praise the Lord uh, in, uh, in Swahili, and if you didn't say it back or if you didn't say it back loud enough, they would say, Buenas afiwe, right? And then uh, everyone would say, praise the Lord, and then they would say, my name is Ethan and I love Jesus. Every time, everyone that I met, everyone that I heard speak, they would say, my name is so-and-so, and, and I love Jesus. And you could tell that for them, they weren't doing this because it was rote memorization. They weren't doing this because they were told to do it. They were doing it because they actually loved Jesus. Right? They had not gotten over his grace. I, I, heard, I heard this this morning, and I thought that this was, this was important, that oftentimes... The bad news that we see on the TV is the reality that other Christians are living in every day. Right, so sometimes we see these bad things happening on TV and we forget that for literally millions of Christians around the world, that bad news isn't something around the world. That bad news is something around the street. And so these, uh, these Tanzanian believers, they, they live in that bad news. In fact, while we were there, uh, there was a terror threat against churches in Tanzania because ISIS has started to make their way into the city. See, they hadn't gotten over their need for Jesus. They hadn't gotten used to Jesus's grace. But here's what my fear is, is that the shift from being like Zacchaeus who received Jesus joyfully to being like the Pharisees who get annoyed that Jesus would go to sinners is subtle and it's easy. It easily happens over time. See, over time, we get over Jesus' grace and we get over his mission. And over time, the mission of Jesus becomes an inconvenience or an annoyance rather than an opportunity and a privilege. And so when we think about the mission of Jesus or when we think about evangelism or when we think about sharing the gospel or we think about a, a sermon series on, on taking the gospel to our neighbors, maybe we think things like, that's great for everyone else. Maybe we think, oh, yeah, I would love to do that, but I'm just too busy. I, I would love to be involved with that, or I would love to do that, but that's just not for me. Or I wonder if sometimes maybe when we think about people who have yet to believe, when we think about lost people, maybe instead of being burdened for them, we're frustrated by them. Instead of seeing their need as Jesus sees, we see their need not as needing Jesus, but needing to become like us. They need to dress like us. They need to talk like us. They need to like the same kind of worship music that we like. See, too often we ask lost people to get us and be like us before we try to get them and understand them. Really, what that means is too often we ask lost people to love us before we love them. And what we see here in the story of Zacchaeus is Jesus loving Zacchaeus where he is? Right? What we see is Jesus seeking and Jesus saving Zacchaeus. 
See, the, the mission that Jesus has given us is not that we would make lost people like us. The mission that Jesus has given us is that we would point lost people to him, right? That, that they would become like him. The, the goal of our mission is not conformity to who we are. The goal of our mission is conformity to Christ. And when we miss that, we, we miss what the mission is all about. Now in verse seven, they, they grumble because they say that Jesus, he's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now when they call Zacchaeus a sinner, they're, they're, not, they're not saying, yes, Zacchaeus is like all of us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No, they, they use it in another way. They, they use it to say that he's gone into this home of a man who is scandalous and disgraceful. But isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't say, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house today, but man, before I come to your house today, you've got to clean some stuff up. Right? Before I come to your house today, you've got to say you're sorry. But before I come to your house today, you, you've got to get rid of some of this sin and some of this disgrace. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today because you need me. Right, Jesus, I'm coming to Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today because I am seeking you and I am going to save you. And what happens next? Jesus saves him. Je Jesus didn't tell Zacchaeus to clean up his life before he could go to his home. No, Jesus just went after him. See, that's what's predictable about Jesus' grace. See, that Jesus' grace is often unexpected, but it's always predictable. It's unexpected because oftentimes Jesus' grace hits when we don't expect it, when we don't see it coming. But what we can predict is that when Jesus' grace comes, we know what to expect. Right? When Jesus' grace comes, it, it changes your life. It always works. Now, there's a gap between verses 7 and verse 8. So he's gone in to be the guest of a sinner, and then verse 8 Zacchaeus stands and says to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. fourfold. There's a gap here where Zacchaeus, apparently from seven to eight, he goes from being a skeptical sinner to being a changed saint. Right, that he has encountered Jesus in that gap in between. Something happens and Zacchaeus is changed. Now, the order of events is important here. Jesus comes to Zacchaeus and then Zacchaeus is changed. It's not that Zacchaeus changes his life, cleans himself up and fixes some things and then Jesus comes to him. No, Jesus comes and then Zacchaeus is changed. See, I wonder if some of us in this room, some, some of you in this room, maybe, maybe you're, you're waiting to surrender your life to Jesus because you believe that you've got to clean the mess up before he can come in. I, I wonder if maybe, maybe you're waiting to give everything that you have to Jesus because you don't think that Jesus knows what to do with the mess. Or maybe you don't think Jesus knows what to do with the brokenness. Or maybe you think Jesus doesn't know what to do with your sin. But here's the guarantee that Jesus knows exactly what to do with your sin and for your sin. Because Jesus died for it. Right? Jesus offers you forgiveness 
and grace. And you might feel like, Ethan, I can't love me, so I know Jesus can't love me. Well, here's what you can be sure of. Not only can Jesus love you, Jesus has proved it. And so it's not that, that you need to get yourself together and then you can come to Christ. No, you, you come to Christ and then he gets you together. We, we've got a saying that we say around here from time to time that it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And that change doesn't happen in your own strength. That change doesn't happen in your own power. That change happens because of the grace of Jesus. I've shared this before. There's an ongoing fight in my house uh, over the dishwasher. Uh, I think that you should take the dirty dishes and put them in the dishwasher. My wife thinks that you should wash the dishes and then put them in the dishwasher. Right? Um, and she's right. Right? I've learned she's she's right. But some of you, right? Some of you think that you've got to wash yourself before Jesus can make you clean. But if Jesus is the one who makes you clean, then you cannot wash yourself. And here's the thing, this is good news. This is good news because there is freedom in this. There is freedom in knowing that you cannot make yourself clean, you cannot fix your mess, you cannot fix your brokenness, but Jesus can. And so some of you are so frustrated with life because you keep trying to fix your own mess. When Jesus is offering himself to you saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you forgiveness. I will give you grace. So I just want to encourage you this morning to stop trying to fix it on your own. Stop trying to Wash the dishes before you put them in the dishwasher, right? Come to Jesus, and he's the one who can make you clean. Come to Jesus, and he's the one who can restore all that you feel like is lost, right? He's the one who restores the years that the locusts have eaten, right? Jesus can restore. He can handle whatever mess you have. He can handle whatever problem you have, and here's the thing. He loves to do it. Jesus seeks and Jesus saves. And then finally we see this, that Jesus goes. Jesus is a, a flesh and bone picture of the truth that our God is a missionary God. In, in verse 9, Jesus explains what has happened in verse 8. Look at verse 9 with me. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. See, Zacchaeus didn't do all these things. In verse 8, Zacchaeus says, I, I, I give the half my goods I give to the poor, and I've, if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. None of that is the reason Zacchaeus is saved. All of that is proof that Zacchaeus has been saved. It's what John the Baptist says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Zacchaeus has, has borne fruit in keeping with repentance, and so Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house, that since he also is a, a son of Abraham, here's what I want you to understand, that salvation didn't come to Zacchaeus' house because he did good things. Salvation came to Zacchaeus' house because Jesus came to Zacchaeus' house. 
Jesus saved Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus didn't save Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus bore fruit, proving that the grace of Jesus that was active in his heart and was active in his life has changed his life. And so now he's the chief tax collector that doesn't defraud people and doesn't extort people. He's the chief tax collector that gives back all that he has stolen. He's the chief tax collector that restores all that he has taken because Jesus has restored all of the brokenness that Zacchaeus had experienced. Jesus had restored, Jesus had fixed all of the brokenness in Zacchaeus' life. See, Jesus goes to Zacchaeus to save him. That's what Jesus does. That's why Jesus came. This is why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrated Christmas two months ago, not because there was a baby born in Bethlehem that shepherds came to see. We, we celebrate Christmas not because an angel appeared to shepherds or because wise men came. We celebrate Christmas because there was a baby born in Bethlehem that would live and would go to a cross and would die so that you and I wouldn't have to. See, Jesus came to save. Now understand what Jesus left in order to go. He left the throne of heaven where he did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. He came to the broken and to the messy. He was born of a woman. And get this, Jesus was born of a woman not just to see and to witness the brokenness and the mess. Jesus was born of a woman to experience the brokenness and the mess. So maybe you think Jesus can't handle my brokenness and my mess. Jesus has experienced the brokenness and the mess. Jesus knows what it means to be betrayed. Jesus knows what it means to be deserted. Jesus knows what it means to be offended. Jesus knows what it means uh, to be hurt. Jesus knows what it means to be tired and to be hungry. And Jesus comes and he, give us, he gives us grace for all of it. See, in verse 10, we, we see how Jesus comes. This is the, the summary verse of not only the story, but of Jesus' memory, that, or Jesus' ministry, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And here's what we need to understand is that Jesus is still going to seek and to save the lost. See, now because Jesus has come, we go. But we go with Jesus. See, your, who your neighbor is matters. We've been asking this question, who's your neighbor? Who your neighbor is matters because Jesus' mission matters and because your neighbor matters. And so Jesus is still seeking and saving the lost, but now Jesus goes with us. Jesus goes before us and he comes behind us and he goes in us and he goes through us. See, maybe your neighbor has yet to believe the gospel because maybe you have yet to go. Maybe your neighbor has yet to believe the gospel because they are just waiting for you to come and for you to share and for you to tell. And that as you go and as you share and as you tell, you can be sure of this, that whenever you are sharing and showing the love of Jesus, you are not doing it in your own strength. You are not doing it in your own power. You are doing it with the grace and the goodness of Jesus. So you might say, Ethan, I, I don't know what to say. You're right, you probably don't, but Jesus does. I'd say, Ethan, I, 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 don't, I don't even know where to start. You're probably right, but Jesus does. I, I don't even know what I would do. You're right, but Jesus does. And we have this guarantee that as believers, the Holy Spirit of God, what Paul says in Romans 8, the Spirit of Jesus, 
is alive and at work in you. And so understand this, that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that brought Jesus out of the grave, that same spirit is alive and at work in you, empowering you to be obedient to what he's called you to. Empowering you to carry that gospel to your neighbor and to your coworker. And see, because Jesus came and because Jesus goes, we go. We go to our neighbors and we go to the nations. We multiply disciples, we multiply leaders, and we multiply churches for our neighbors and the nations because Jesus has come and Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy of our lives. Jesus is worthy of our actions. Jesus is worthy of all that we have. See, for many of us in here, we've experienced the unexpected grace of Jesus. Jesus' grace has hit us right between the eyes when we least expected it. And here's what I found is that the longer you walk with Jesus, the more time you get hit with his grace. And the more time you get hit with his grace in unexpected places and unexpected ways. But here is the truth. Is that Jesus' grace might hit you in an unexpected way. But when it hits, we know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to conform us. He's going to conform you into the image of himself. And so could it be this morning that Jesus' grace is hitting you. Maybe you're feeling Jesus' grace, but sometimes Jesus' grace feels like conviction. Sometimes Jesus' grace feels like a poke or a push or a prod or a pull, and maybe it's that Jesus is pulling you to get serious about this mission that he's called you to. Maybe it's that Jesus is, is calling you to take serious this call to go to your neighbor. Maybe it's that Jesus is calling you to take serious this call to go to the nations. Maybe it's that Jesus is calling you to take serious this call to lay down all of your trying and all of your striving and all of your work and to trust in him and him alone. Maybe this morning, Jesus' grace is working in your life to bring you to repentance, to show you that you can't fix this mess on your own, but that Jesus can. Here's my challenge for myself. Here's my challenge for you this morning. Let's be careful to not get over Jesus' grace. Let's be careful to be like Zacchaeus and not like the religious people. Let's be careful to not get over the fact that our God has come to us and he has saved us and now we get to live and we get to serve him. And so maybe... Maybe you need to experience that grace for the first time this morning. Maybe for the first time you need to say, you know what, Ethan, I'm tired of trying to fix the mess on my own. I'm tired of trying to fix the brokenness in my own strength. And instead, I just want to give it to Jesus. I want to give it to someone who can fix it because I can't do it anymore. Well, here is my promise to you. Jesus knows what to do. Jesus knows how to fix it. So once you come to him, once you bring that mess, that brokenness, that pain, that hurt to him, because Jesus, he knows what to do. He knows exactly what you need. Now, how do we fight against getting used to this 
grace that Jesus has shown us. Well, well interesting enough, uh, Jesus has given us the means to not get over his grace. Right? We don't get over his grace. Uh, we fight to, to keep loving and being excited about his grace by, by coming and joining together with brothers and sisters every week and, and singing his praise and listening to his word preached. We, we celebrate his grace when we, we see someone baptized. Tonight, we're going to baptize people and we're going to celebrate his grace. Thank you again for listening to the Central Church Podcast. For more information on how you can take your next step, visit us online at gocentralchurch.org.